It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame. I am your guest host for this roundtable, Matt Ardill, uh, and it is my pleasure to be hosting an amazing panel of former guests who are going to share their votes for this season's uh, set of candidates going to the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame. So what we'll do is we'll go th- go around uh, and we'll have everybody introduce themselves. Brad, if you want to start. Hi, I'm Brad Robinson from the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. Happy to be here. Dave? Uh, I'm Dave Buckman. I own Cold Town Theater in Austin, Texas. I'm a Second City alum, Boom Chicago alum, and general uh, podcast panelist uh, for Saturday Night Live-related podcasts. Thanks, Dave. And Will? Yes, hi, I'm Will Norman, and I'm just uh, also an SNL enthusiast and podcast, uh, I guess, guest um, here on the Hall of Fame Network. I've been on the was on the Beyonce episode. I'm just excited to talk with all of you today about this season's nominees. Thanks for having me. Great. And and uh, what are we all expecting tonight? Like, what kind of uh, result? What kind of conversation? Uh, I mean, I know I'm expending a, f- a fun time. I think it's going to be a, an interesting combination of opinions here. But what are you all expecting for tonight? I'm expecting to have uh, my mind changed on a couple people. Um, I have uh, more than 15 on my ballot, so I need to be talked off the ledge for a couple of folks. <laughs> I'm interested to see uh, where the conversation goes, old versus new. Uh, my ballot's fairly full, and it's fairly full with uh, returning nominees and uh, older nominees. So I'm excited to see if I can convince some people to keep these old-timers on the ballot. I, I'm expecting an all-out bloodbath uh, tonight. Um, <laughs> I guess I might be. Maybe that won't be the case. Everyone's, uh, maybe that be the case. But I, I'm on the opposite end of Dave, where I have I used about 13 of my votes because um, I'm still kind of on the the. I guess I'm kind of on the border with a few of them, and actually just want to have a conversation to see who I might be overlooking and who some of those votes might go to. Um, with re- returning nominees and first ballot people, um, I'm excited to see where the conversation goes today. So we'll use 13. Um, what made you land at that number? Like, is what? why did you hold back a couple? So um, I ended up leaving my ballot at 13 because I, there's a lot of other candidates that were first ballot or returning nominees that I feel like I needed a little bit more time and was actually open to get some conversation with the panelists here today to just kind of see where I may have overlooked someone um, besides just kind of speaking to my own biases to see if I could be educated on some people that I might have overlooked that deserve to be uh, in those final two spots. Awesome. Dave, how, how many uh, votes did you use and what was your logic? I used all 17. Uh, <laughs> even though we're only allowed to have 15. So as <laughs> it's going to be some editing on the fly kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm going to have to really, I'm going to need um, Will and Brett to kind of like tell me why somebody doesn't deserve to be on there because I mean, I could have honestly, I could have picked 25 out of these 30. Uh, it was very, very hard to get to where I am now. Um, and I'm looking at it. And I just, I mean, how do I, how, 
but the people I have on my bubble are just legendary. Uh, so how do you how do you cut them from that ballot? Um, uh, I'm, I don't even know how to like rank them if I was going to. So that's where I'm at. And Brad, uh, I'm a bit more like Will. I've got I've got 14 selections. Uh, 11 of them are pretty solid. I've got actually 12 because one of them is the musical guest. My one musical guest vote. Um, so I've got a couple that I'm on the fence to hear about, and I left an empty spot to see if uh, you know someone can convince me. I like you, Brad. Chose fourteen. I have one where I'm like, oh, I, like this last time I did this, I, I filled all fifteen. And then I afterwards I was like, oh, you know that was a really strong case, but I cast my vote and I'm gonna have to stand by it. So I left one to let somebody convince me at the end of how I'm gonna vote. So it makes it for an interesting conversation. Create some stakes when we when we're doing that. Terrific. Okay. Well. Um, what we'll do again, like, well, I'll just start working my way around the around the ring here. And uh, why don't we just start naming off our our picks? Um, so, Brad, do you want to start us off? Uh, my number one pick is uh, John Belushi. Uh, easy pick. If you heard our podcast, uh, I'm a huge John Belushi fan, uh, Saturday Night Live and otherwise. And he's hands down my number one pick between iconic characters Great impressions, legendary sketches, does it all, plays himself. And, you know, in addition to Dan, the first cast members to ever be featured on the show in another role while they were cast members, when him and Dan were musical guests as well, they were the first cast members to actually be show- showcased in another light as well. So John Belushi's my number one. I watched a lot of those very early episodes at an, an entirely inappropriate age. So, you know, I got to know his work really young and he made me laugh then and he still makes me laugh now. I mean, I think I rewatched just recently the, the Star Trek sketch and it's just the, the impersonation that he does of, of Shatner is hilarious. And it's just like it just it shows a range that a lot of people, especially now, as there's been distance from his work people don't credit him with like they think animal house and this this loud ruckus character but he had a lot more to him and uh yeah i i can totally understand that yeah he has a lot more to him especially in season one you know he does his uh his shatner impression he's got his marlon brando impression the joe cocker impression that he does in episode three i still will put up against anything that's been done in the last 50 years on that show and even stuff you forget like we've been going back we've been watching the old land shark sketches and he does a Richard Dreyfus impression, which is yes. amazingly great. It's surprisingly good. I don't even re- I didn't even remember it. It's so good. So it's even the small stuff. And then before he gets big, that season one is great watching John because he plays very childish and like impish sort of set scenes where like by season three, that's all gone because he is he's full blown Belushi by that point. So it's it's he definitely has a range. And if you've watched from the beginning through, you see that whole arc. Anybody else have any thoughts on Belushi? Belushi was near the top of my list as well. I mean, I, I think it's impossible to tell the story of SNL without mentioning Belushi and his contributions. So, um, obviously, taken away too soon. Um, I did not put Belushi on my uh, ballot. Um, maybe in future uh, ballots, perhaps when he's stacked up against uh, fourth or fifth rounders. But Belushi never hit me. Well, I love little chocolate donuts. I love the Blues Brothers. I love um, uh, the Marlon Brando impression. I love the Joe Cocker impression. But um, I don't think that he was much of a team player. 
I think he's very much about Belushi and Belushi's goals for the show. And um, a lot of his humor hit me as very angry and aggressive rather than funny. Um, and uh, I just, that's not my kind of humor. I feel the same way about Michael O'Donoghue. It just, it's not, um, I, it was funny, I think, to me when I was 12 or 13. Um, but I think I've, grow, I've grown out of that style of humor. And I also love Animal House and I love all of his movies too. Um, but when stacked up against um, some of these other folks, I think their contributions to the genre of Saturday Night Live, there's better contributions out there. I'll try to argue him in this a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I hear what you're saying with the, his comedy coming from anger, and I, I do agree it definitely gets there. But if you look at the early seasons, one and two especially, I don't think he's gotten there yet. You know, the Joe Cocker, the Marlon Brando impression's amazing. The Star Trek, uh, Star Trek scene, both with Elliot Gould are great. His Beethoven impression, uh, the Richard Dreyfus that I mentioned, Little Chocolate Donuts. There's so much stuff he does, the samurai character, that lead up to him getting to that point. I think once he becomes what we've come to know as John Belushi, I agree with you a bit that it does get a bit edgy. Edgy is the wrong word. It does get a bit angry. It does come from that place, and it's not as genuinely funny. But to Will's point, I don't know how you talk about Saturday Night Live without John Belushi, without seeing him in the B outfit, without seeing him in the samurai, without seeing him behind the counter of Olympia Restaurant, not being Jake Blues, you know, him and Aykroyd together, Final Days sketch. There's just so much of those first four years that if you don't have John Belushi, I don't know what happens. You know, season one's all about Chevy. Chevy leaves, and Bill Murray didn't jump right out of the gate as blowing the doors off the place, and John really helped keep that together until Bill found his voice. I mean, not just John alone, John and Dan and all of them, but John Belushi's a key, key factor as to how we made it from the Chevy Chase era to the Bill Murray era, and that show exploding into the zeitgeist of comedy. It's a strong argument. It's an interesting case. This is this is the 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 fun of the round table. We get to hear the different the different points and counterpoints. Uh, so so Dave, do you want to share your first pick? My first pick is Bill Murray. Bill Murray is uh, for me the consummate sketch performer. Uh, he basically owned season four and five. Uh, he's come back to host so many times and kind of just lift the crowd and the cast and the show with him every time he comes back, his contributions beyond his four years in the show, you know, he set a tone for the kind of cast member. A, he's the first new hire, uh, you know, for all sense purposes, the first feature performer and um, just the kind of person that's in every sketch, you know, setting that archetype of like that um, Phil Hartman, that Bill Murray, Will Ferrell, uh, somebody who's just going to consistently get in there every single sketch and destroy uh, and uh, even make bad scenes better just by being in them. And his characters are just so many, so many to mention, you know, from the nerd sketch to uh, Nick the Lounge sing- Singer to um, his time on the Weekend Update desk doing um, Oscar picks. Uh, there's just so many iconic things that you can point back to Bill Murray. Should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. Anybody else vote for Bill Murray? He's my number two. I can't argue with anything Dave said. He's my number two pick. Again, I I mentioned it before, like he had a rough coming in after Chevy, you know, Chevy left and he didn't jump right into the spotlight. So it took him time and he took the reins and he ran with it. And, you know, he didn't really have that many impressions, but didn't need to. Like Dave said, his sketches are great. His characters are great. He held down weekend update. 
There's a lot of anger behind Bill Murray. I'm just going to say he's got that. He's got that drive in him a little bit as well. Just to relay my John Belushi point, but no, Bill Murray. That's a, <laughs> but no, I mean, but he's again, impish. he's got. He's got like. He plays it off much better. He does. But no, I had him right there at number two with Dave. Same thing. He's, you, you can't talk SNL without Bill Murray. Will, any thoughts? Yeah, so I think I'm probably going to hop into Dave's camp here uh, and say that Bill Murray is not on my Hall of Fame ballot. So, yeah. So, I'll explain. <laughs> I still have two spots left, so it's not definitive. But the reason why is, so I will start by saying that Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Bill Murray. Um, but I was worried that I was fading a lot of my feelings about Bill Murray and his post his post SNL career versus Jesse on the show. Obviously most respect to Nick, the lounge singer, his work on update. I also know at one point in time, he had the obviously innovative for the time, his plea to the the viewers and kind of saying, Hey, I'm new on the show. It's, I don't know if it's actually really working. Like, can you guys like write in and, you know, give me some support. And I think kind of, even in that, even though it's obviously very innovative, just the fact that he was kind of in that spot, I'm thinking about him as a hall of famer, someone who's just to me, like, are they a Hall of Famer or not? I think he was obviously great on the show at the time, but just wondering if I was shading him a little bit too much with my fandom of him post-show. But I think guys have made some very compelling arguments. Um, like I said, that early nod went to John Belushi, but like I said, there's still some wiggle room. So maybe I've overlooked Bill, but uh, just to make it on my first cut in the first view. So, And I'll admit, he's not on my list either. Now, uh, I mean, I know, I know, but I mean, I've... I, I love Ghostbusters. I love Groundhog Day. I love his work in the show. I love his work after the show. But it, again, it was like it was one of those things where I'm like, am I letting this like the these things that I loved as a kid outside of the show shade my opinion there? But also I'm like, I was trying to balance it out where I'm like not choosing all of these big names and choosing like just choosing different people. And it's like, but but I have one. I have one. To, so it's definitely, you know, Dave and Brad made good points when I come cut to the end. I don't know. He's 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 in there. He's in there as like my maybe. Uh, now, Will, uh, who did you who's your first pick? So my first pick um, at you know, top of my list was Dana Carvey. So for me, Dana Carvey, master impressionist, obviously had some iconic characters. He did obviously a great push, a Bush impression. I think most people who impersonate. George W. Bush are doing an impersonation of Dana Carvey doing Bush. Um, you got Church Lady. Obviously, have Garth um, from Wayne's World, Garth Algar. So he has an iconic character on the show as well that went on to do other things. And I just think when you think about the when you think about some of the all timers, we look at the cast members that we love for the Hall of Fame. They are people who can do it all. That can carry a sketch. That can do impressions. That can do characters, uh, original characters. They get along with the cast that have things that outlast their time on the show. And I think, you know, you're looking at the Hall of Fame, you know, it's easy to kind of, we just talked about shading things with like someone's post-career um, versus what they did on the show. But we're isolating just to someone's time on SNL. I don't think that there's a time in the future of SNL's existence that someone couldn't mention Wayne's World and wouldn't be, you know, no, uh, notable as an SNL sketch. Isn't that special, you know, Bush impressions? Like, I'm no Dana Carvey, so I'm not going to do those impressions. But I think it's uh, it's very hard to say he's not probably one of the best cast members that's ever come through and um, during his time in the show. And um, I think he just made it a, a great impression. And so he was near the top of my list. Anybody else vote for Dana? Dana's I, I, at the bottom of my bubble. He's <laughs> somebody that I'm like, I want to put on that list because 
how how he's like the perfect cast member. It's just somebody who's always gonna have fun and be likable and come up come in with characters every week in week out. I think a lot of his material doesn't hold up so much. Some of the writings just feels weaker compared to modern day sketch comedy writing. Um, but uh, uh, you can't deny his level uh, of um, talent and just like he was just built for that for that show. But I I don't know if I don't know if quality of going back and watching his stuff holds up against some of the other folks uh, on this list. Brad, you have any thoughts? I've got him at number three um, on my ballot. He is probably pound for pound. I think one of the best performers the show's ever had. Uh, as Will said, impressions. I don't know if there's one he can't do. Bush, uh, Johnny Carson, Carsenio, characters, Church Chat, Hans and Franz, Wayne and Garth. So, I mean, right, right there, his resume is amazing. He's one of the first guys who would take a cold open and sit by himself in front of the camera for seven minutes and open the show by himself. And I like to look at it at, you look at each era of Saturday Night Live and where they stood in that era. So you got to remember Dana Carvey showed up Lauren's second year when he came back after his return and the show was not in a good place. And that cast is really the reason that that SNL exists today is guys like Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Dennis Miller, John Lovitz, Jan Hooks, Nora Dunn, that cast pulled it through and Dana Carvey right off the gate with like chopping broccoli and church chat in the first four or five (laughs) episodes of that season is just vital for not only that season, but the next four or five, six years that he was on that show, keeping Saturday night live relevant, funny, hip and continuing. He's on my list as well, just for that. I mean, to be fair, that's also like my high school era SNL. So, I mean, I I feel like that that always kind of burns itself into your your emotional psyche. So like him and Mike Myers and all of that crew uh, from that era are just really emotionally important to me. But also like just li- like even his little stupid stuff, like the chop and broccoli sketch. It's just such a silly little premise but he pulls it off in a way that it never becomes stupid it never becomes like okay we get it he's saying i'm chopping broccoli over and over again let's move on it, it it just remains fresh he knows how to keep the the the, the tightness the, the tension just right and uh and he he i found he brought that to like everything so he he is on my list as well awesome choice Awesome choice. I am just going to go by alphabetical order because I, I, I can't wait. These uh, people, it's so too difficult. That, that's a, a level of emotional investment I'm not ready to, to, to give. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to start with Amy Poehler. Uh, she is she is on my list. She, she was just such a, like Dana Carvey, like a workhorse. She would show up for a sketch. She would give it her all. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 that. Massachusetts upbringing kind of thing, like where she she just fights and goes. And I mean, you can see it in like her entire career with like UCB and and all of these other projects that she's she's lifted from the ground up when she attacked a sketch. She really put all of her energy into it. And I mean, like, yeah, these great characters like Betty Caruso, where it's just like she has a way of grounding even her silly characters where, you know, Bronx beat is just such a silly concept, but 
it never veers into the realm of like coffee talk with Mike Myers when he did coffee talk, where it's just like, okay, this is just a little bit too silly, especially now that Barbara Streisand has showed up. Uh, it's just, it just remains true to the premise. And uh, yeah, so that, that was my first vote. Anybody else? I agree. I agree. Amy, Amy's on my ballot as well. Um, I think there's um, some power. Uh, she is just a, a dynamo. Uh, a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, Caitlin's one of my all-time, one of my all-time favorite characters, and her stint on Weekend Update is exemplary. Paired with Seth and with Tina, she had a rough couple first episodes, but then just dominated Weekend Update uh, for many years. I love her characters. I love her energy. I love her uh, just her general energy and attitude uh, towards comedy and lifting other people up through positivity and. Uh, and Bronx Speed, again, also one of my all-time favorites. So Amy Poehler, uh, for sure, yeah, belongs to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would agree. Uh, she was, like I said, probably, I guess, number two or so on my list. Um, like I said, also just an all-time cast member in that like lineage of Christian Wig and um, just kind of that dynamo like that's there throughout the time the time on the show. And like I said, she has some great characters. Or Sir Hillary Clinton is like the original um like i said she's just very dependable there's just those cast members that show up in a sketch you know it's going to be good and they're going to give it their all um and i just feel like she was one of them and just is a, a to me like a no questions asked first ballot hall of famer i do not have her on my ballot i do no. not think she's a first time ballot hall of famer but uh you guys talk a lot on the podcast what's uh recency bias i'm probably whatever the opposite of that is so i don't i don't think <laughs> i have anybody on my ballot as a first time nominee that's is post 1990 something. I think she'll get in eventually, but I, there's a lot of other people I think are more deserving to get in whose time's running out almost. So I didn't vote for Amy Poehler because I think she'll get in eventually, but I don't think she's first timer for me. Why don't we switch directions? Will, do you want to share your next uh, choice there? Yeah, sure. So I would say next uh, is another first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think has a uh, pretty long tenure. Uh, it'd be Mr. Christopher Walken. Uh, was one of my uh, top near top of my list. I, I think that when you look at all the um, all time hosts on the show, I think Watkins definitely up there. Obviously, has hosted a, a lot um, over his time in his tenure. He has had some notable characters and some great sketches. Just the Continental, um, I think it was obviously a great sketch. His Colonel Angus uh, sketch uh, still makes me laugh. And then uh, Trivial Psychic. You know, I think just the hilarious premise that he just executes <laughs> to perfection. So it's just, I feel like Walken is one of those guys who came on and obviously he was very um, easy along with the cast and talk about being a team player. When I'm thinking about hosts, people that have been on the show that are in that that world, it's, you know, how able, how are you able to enter, like be within the cast, not just kind of on the outskirts, letting them do their thing, but really ingratiate yourself to the cast, have your own memorable sketches and, and have almost recurring, th- have recurring sketches that make me think if it weren't for your life outside of SNL, you could have easily been a cast member. I know it's kind of tough to give a, a host a nod over the cast members that are there grinding it out every week over every week, but um, he just feels like someone who once again is is up uh, up to nominate. I think he's just been a great um, great host, and I, I thought that he deserves to get into the Hall of Fame. Anybody else vote for for Christopher Walk? Uh, he's on my bubble. Uh, I don't. I haven't cut him yet. I know certainly participating in Cowbell and the Centaur sketch and the Census sketch. And- continental and uh yeah all those just wonderful just being game for anything and just i was listening to a couple of his 
scenes before uh, the show tonight, and just his two-handers, which is him and somebody else going back and forth, is just beauty. He has his rhythm is perfect. His deadpan is perfect. Uh, he is game for anything, and it's you know, and of all the people that just reads cue cards, I mean, does anybody do it better than Christopher Walken? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's one of the all-time best hosts, and uh, I wish they'd I wish they'd bring him back just once, just one more time. But um, yeah, I mean, he'll probably be on my ballot. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't be, because um, I don't think he's gonna uh, he would be bumped by anybody else on this list. So, I, sure, he's on my ballot. I'm gonna call it right now. <laughs> awesome, awesome, Brad. Any thoughts? I do not have him on my ballot. Uh, he is a great host. He's a fantastic host. I only have uh, one host uh, cemented on my ballot, two on my bubble. But again, he's one of those people where I th- I feel like maybe not first time ballot, but I can see him definitely in the future. He was on my list. I, I think the thing that put him over the top, I, I mean, it was the, the uh, Christmas Carol where he's reading it to the kids. It was just like, it was so dark and so <laughs> weird. And nobody else could pull that off except for Christopher Walken. It was just like perfect. I have to feel it's like he's, he's almost like a trained vaudeville man, like song, song and dance man came up like during my trivia. I talked about how he was hired to dance with Liza Minnelli by her mom at a birthday party like it's just like he's he's such a weird human being on so many levels and it's just it's like it forged him into this perfect you know you don't get many of those hosts but those ones that are just make the perfect fit and that's where i feel he fits in well next up dave who's next on your list uh the next person on my list is jan hooks jan hooks to me is my just top Top performer. I think she's my number two favorite cast member of all time. She has such a grace to her, but also a little bit of smarm to her. Uh, maybe one of the best actresses to ever be on on the show. Uh, actors to ever be on the show. Um, her commitment to the moment is unparalleled. She can play heartbreaking. She can play uh, goofy. She can play straight. She is maybe one of the best utility players they've ever had. Um, somebody who can do characters, do uh, normal people, and um, just take whatever you've given, whatever you've written for her, to another level of humanity, which is um, brings a three-dimensional shape to a sketch that um, a lot of people can't deliver. So. Uh, I would watch Jan Hooks do anything. Rest in peace. And uh, she's by far on my uh, on my ballot. Yes. Any other votes? Yes. Oh, slam dunk. She's one of my other like slam dunk picks for this for this class. She everything Dave said and more. Like I mentioned about Dana Carvey, she was in that that cast that kept it going, and she is as vital as he was, if not more. Yeah. Everything Dave said. Yeah. Jan Hooks is amazing. I, to- I totally agree, too, because like she, like I said, that was my high school cast and uh, she was she was on my list as well. I mean, like the fact that she played Tina uh, or Tammy Faye Baker and Jessica Hahn, like she did <laughs> both impersonations. I'm just like, 
that's mind bending <laughs> uh, and speaks to the power of makeup. Um, but, but yeah, like such an amazing, amazing performer. Any thoughts? Will? Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. So for Jan Hook, she actually is, she's actually on my bubble. Um, so I think there was another earlier cat summer that I went with instead. Um, but like I said, I, I have all respect for the work that she's done on the show. And I think generally speaking, there's a lot of, um, I'm kind of on the opposite side of Brad, where if there's people that have kind of gone through and have been on the ballot, I kind of, in my mind, I'm always like, is my gut instinct, is this person a Hall of Famer or not? I'm kind of out of, less out of the baseball film of like kind of go and get multiple at-bats to get in. It's kind of like, do I think you're in right away? <clears throat> I definitely think she's on my bubble for this first one. I just left those spaces open, but a couple other people that I that I had above her, but there's still definitely room for her. I know she was a huge contributor to the show and um, definitely deserves all the respect in the world. Brad, your next pick. I'll do a uh, Jane Curtin. I've got Jane on my ballot. Um, again, original cast show wouldn't be what it would be without her. And I think she is the most underrated cast member in the history of the show. You know, my show, we're, we're, we're currently halfway through season one and we have a bit that has just kind of come up organically, which is how great is Jane? Because every episode <laughs> at some point we talk about how great Jane Curtin is, whether she's playing somebody's <laughs> wife or mother or the star of the, of the sketch, she just does everything. She, you know, she didn't have a lot of characters. They came about a little bit later in, in her run, but you know, she had some impression. She was the quintessential talk show host. Anytime they needed a talk show host for those first five years, Jane Curtin would do it and she would do it well. And she would go toe to toe against any host, against Belushi, against any kind of knucklehead they would throw against her in any of those, those talk shows or, you know, um, she handled weekend update. You know, she was the first person to uh, do an editorial on the desk when Chevy was hosting Weekend Update. And then she was the first person to take over for him by herself. And then her and Dan and her and Bill. And if you just go back and watch, it's, it's, you got, I know they use baseball analogies on this. Her batting average is very high. It's very, mm -hmm. it's very rare Jane Curtin strikes out or has an out. She brings it every time. You got any other Jane Curtin votes? Uh, she made it on my ballot as well. Um, I think, you know, we're talking about like Jan and, and Jane, obviously both great, but that's kind of one of the original, for all the reasons that Brad mentioned, like her being able to hold down that forward and be that constant through the early stages of the show. Um, I thought that she was um, great and that she got on my ballot. So she definitely made it on mine as well. Yours too, Dave? Yeah, she's my number three. Jane before John, for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she is. My, my favorite cast member of all time is Parnell. And Jane Curtin invented that role in the cast. She is the backbone of that cast. Um, she makes the sketches have grounded reality. She's the person we identify with in those scenes uh, as an audience member. She uh, was finally allowed to flourish in that season five, and some of the characters she came out with were fantastic. Uh, and um, a wonderful, underrated actress. I wish I wish um, she did not have this feud with Lorne or the show, because I would love to see her and Lorraine host uh, once before the 50th. It would be a great show. But when I was growing up, of course, my favorite was Aykroyd uh, when I was a kid watching those old shows. Um, but when I started doing comedy for a living, it was Jane. I always go back to Jane. Jane was, uh, was doing most of the work in those sketches. And uh, I really appreciate her as a comedian. Uh, well, we don't, 
uh, we don't really call it straight man anymore in, uh, in the ground, in, in the woke world of comedy. Uh, I'm trying to push forth, um, absurdo and reasoner instead of straight man and, <laughs> and crazy guy, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, she is the reasoner, uh, to be, uh, uh, for the ages for sure. Well, I think this is our first unanimous vote and she was on my list as well, just for all of those reasons. And like, you know, like Dave said, but the backbone, I mean, during those first, those chaotic first few seasons, she was almost like a, outside of the context of on the screen. She would really help keep that cast together and, and grounded just as a cast. But then on the screen, she, she kept those scenes just flowing and she was just, you know, criminally underrated. By by a lot of people, I feel so. So yeah, if anybody gets a unanimous vote, that is her. Make, it makes me very happy. Well, my next pick is my. This is my musical guest, Dave Grohl. Just like his his love of the show is so undeniable. Like he's game to do stuff every time he's there, and and he's willing to be come back and be a part of the show even to not star just to, like as like backup for Tom Petty and, and like just, just put himself out there as a, a recurring supporting musical act. And he's been on like an incredible number of times. So like just a crazy number of times for a musical act, which I think it, it technically puts him in the platinum club, which is because he's been on, I think that many times. I got to wonder what they get when they get into the platinum club. If they get the, the, the fancy blazer, when you make it to the five timers, uh, what, what what happens there? And I, I feel sorry for whatever Martin Short is made to do for them, uh, because <laughs> he, he he seems to be their their go to minion um, at the five timers club. So yes, anybody else have any thoughts on Dave? Dave's on my bubble. I'm considering just. I think he's on the bubble for a couple of reasons. Number one is yes, he's been there more than any other musical guest, which is something to be applauded and uh, 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 noted, but I can't think of performances of his that are iconic outside of Nirvana um, performance. I don't, I don't, them Crooked Vultures, was that one of them? Yeah, and and Foo Fighters. Sure, and And they're always great. I love the Foo Fighters. I love when they come on. I love their songs, but I can't think of one that was just like, oh, when I go back and think about that performance, like some of the great musical performances on that show, None of his really come up for me. So that's why he's on the bubble for me. So definitely longevity, definitely, uh, you know, fan of comedy, gets the show, um, always brings it. But um, as far as actual content, nothing stands out to me as iconic. So we'll keep going the same direction and we'll switch switch around next round. So, so Will, what, what, what do you have next? All right. So I think... I'll go with some more. I'll, I'll be on the recency bias side of things today. <laughs> I think uh, that's a role I'll play today. So I'm going to um, go with someone that's actually coming up again. I think it's been controversial conversations, but I'm going to say Justin Timberlake. Um, I know he's kind of been on the ballot before and kind of steadily climbing, but I'll kind of reiterate what I said before. I just think to me, he's just, it's, he's one of the best hosts that they've had. Um, I think when you look at it, for the time that he was on the show, I know he hasn't been there in a, in a while, but you know, similar to you know, early hosts in, in the in the early days, like a Steve Martin, like appointment television for people to say, "I'm going to watch SNL this evening because 
Justin Timberlake's going to be on or doing double duty. Um, I thought that he really brought that level of excitement to the show. Obviously, felt like he could have been a cast member on the show. Um, he did recurring sketches. He's talking about Omeletteville and all the iterations that came thereafter. Obviously, a talented musical uh, artist as well, doing double duties, as I mentioned before. And, I mean, Dick in the Box will be around for the rest of time. Uh, and I think that, you know, you talk about um, whether you are in, you know, utility or in everything and you're just doing a great job consistently or you're there um, and you just have some iconic moments. I think he has a little bit of both. And definitely the the tensions on him because he's the host. So a lot of stuff is written around him. But I think people that were on the show at that time, people that he worked with and collaborated with would say that he felt like someone who could have been on the cast. And I just feel like he's someone who, to me, is a Hall of Famer, and so that's why I would I would nominate or you know have Justin Timberlake on my on my ballot. Anybody else got Justin on there? Yes, I do. Justin is definitely he's my he's the only host I have on my ballot. He is a consummate professional as a host to not only um, be a musical guest as well, which I think he would have to be in order to be an iconic uh, uh, Hall of Fame host. Um, not, not have to be, but it, it certainly helps. And, you know, his performances, I can, I can, they, I can think of many of his, uh, musical performances as well. But to have recurring characters as a host, not with one generation, but with two generations, he, you know, uh, his, 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 the singers with Andy Samberg, the Andy Gibbs show with Jimmy Fallon, he has his own recurring character, as you mentioned, Omeletteville. That is his own. It's him. He's he's the constant in that. That is insane. Just I mean, Christopher Walken, of course, uh, uh, is in there as well with the Continental. That makes sense as well. But I mean, and I I would look forward to any Justin Timberlake show. I'd watch any just Justin Timberlake repeat. Um, I look if it comes up on on the on the early uh, version of NBC. I'm I'm sticking around and watching the Justin Timberlake show because I know it's going to be a great show. Um, and he represents to me five-star host experience. So I'm all, all for Justin Timberlake. I don't disagree with what you guys said, but he's not on my ballot. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just there, I can find, I think, 13, 14 more people that I'd rather make sure got in or stayed on the ballots before him. I'm sure enough people will vote for Justin Timberlake that he'll, if he doesn't get in, we'll make it through the next round and I will happily vote him in probably next class. But as you see the second half of my list, there's a lot of prevent defense and I'm voting for a lot of people because I don't want them to go away. I mean, I love his work and, and like Dave said, two generations, he was able to forge relationships with and have multiple, not just dick in a box, but we got like mother lover and a three way. So it's a trilogy of very weird and uncomfortable songs. And the dating um, game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, and also the the Barry Gibb talk show. I mean, like that's one of my my is my my wife is a huge Bee Gees fan, so she gets excited when that comes on because she says this is so hard. He was on my bubble. He was on my bubble. So I still have one left. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Justin. We'll see. So Dave, your next choice. I'm gonna go with uh, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, to me, is a consummate professional. It's her third ballot, so uh, like Brad, I don't want her to go uh, away too soon, so I want to make sure that I vote for Maya Rudolph because um, she is a phenomenal cast member and a phenomenal host when she re- when she comes back. Um, she has so many talents. She plays broad. She plays specific. She does accents. She does celebrity impressions. 
She has a rhythm that is all her own. She does impressions. She is everything that you would want in a cast member. If I'm a director or producer, I want Amaya Rudolph in my, in my all-time cast because I can throw anything at her and she is going to take it and make it better for sure. And she's going to bring the house down. The audience is going to love her. And um, I just think she's phenomenal, phenomenal talent. If I was going to build my top seven cast members of like, if I had a dream team, Maya would definitely be in, in, in that cast. Anybody else vote for, for Maya? I did as well. I agree with everything that Dave said. I think that um, she's an all timer. I think she was incredibly talented and also like on a stacked cast. I think it was the time of the show when, but the women were really dominating and like just obviously really like doing it really great. And I feel like she almost got overlooked at times, but it was amazing. Kind of reminds me of how like Cecily was like also on a stacked cast. But um, I think she just, because she never really had that goodbye when she started kind of building her family and kind of would pop back on the show every once in a while near the end of her tenure. I don't think she got the, the roses she deserved on her exit, but I just think, you know, once again, looking at all the generations of the show and some of the talent that's come through there, I just think that she is uh, amazing and definitely made it to my ballot this time around. Did not make it to my ballot, but she's on my bubble for the exact reasons Dave was saying. You know, I think she definitely needs to get in, and I'm trying to gauge when I finally do give that vote to get her in because I don't want her to fall off. But um, she's on my bubble, and she's probably one of the leading candidates to to sneak in my last spot or two. Yeah, same here. Um, like she's just such an incredible talent. But again, it was that, that weighing of choices uh, that makes it tricky. Uh, but again, like the Prince show, like her Beyonce on the Prince show is so hilarious. Just paired with the Prince impersonation, it's just they're so bonkers together, her and Fred. And it's just, it's a thing of beauty. But again, it's like there's so many hard choices. This is, this is a real, a real tough one. Okay, uh, Brad, uh, what what do you have for us? You know, I can go for a, a twofer, if I may, because they're kind of sure. intertwined, and I have a feeling they'll both get shot down. I have James Downey and Jack Handy, two longtime amazing writers who I think a lot of casual fans probably don't even know their names, or if they do, don't know them well enough. Second time ballot for Jack Handy, third for James Downey. I remember I emailed Jamie after season one when James Downey didn't make it in, and I emailed him like, how the hell did your voters not put James Downey in the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame. He's such an amazing talent and contributor through multiple generations. So the two of these are writers, which, you know, I think we've talked, you guys have talked about this before. Writers are a little bit underrepresented in the hall. Um, these are two votes that would be slam dunk. I would put them in for both of their writing work for all of the work they've done, all their sketches, all their contributions, all the work they've done with the the key cast members, you know, their names and faces of. So many of them have worked with Downey and Handy over the years. I also had both of them on my ballot for the, for the thank same you, reasons. Will. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, Jack Handy with deep thoughts, you know, I say, I think alone, like those are, those are, those are classics. And then with, with Downey, I think obviously he's been involved in a lot of sketches, but I also leaned into the fact that there are so many people that have passed through SNL that mention him and his influence and his notepad and mm-hmm. constantly being one of the best, the greatest joke writers of all time. And, you know, as you mentioned, Brad, like writers are kind of in the background. They don't get the recognition that they that they deserve for being the backbone of a lot of these sketches. And both those two just felt like they should get their due. And they, they definitely made it on my ballot this uh, this round. Yeah, I had James Downey uh, for sure, just because of his contributions. 
and the the longevity of his of his tenure there. You know, going from um, the original cast all the way through Norm Macdonald. Uh, you know, it's quite an impressive run and being a uh, influence in that writer's room for that many years. I don't know. He's for me, he's a slam dunk. Um, uh, Jack Handy was an unfortunate cut. I couldn't. I couldn't get Jack Handy on my ballot. I wanted to, and I listened. Actually, I wanted. I listened to the uh, the Jack Handy episode. Went back today while I was grocery shopping today and listening to it. And um, as as I, he wrote a lot of things that I hadn't realized he wrote, which was good uh, for me to hear. But uh, it occurred to me while I was listening to it how singular his voice was, uh, and how um, he doesn't really have a lasting influence. Uh, on the f- future generation. So it feels to me like he was, his contribution was very like this very specific style of humor that didn't really like resonate through the generations. Maybe Will Forte a little bit uh, kind of picks up where Jack Handy left off. Maybe a little uh, uh, Kyle Mooney, uh, just that kind of um, train of thought. But I don't think that Jack Handy had the. Um, staying power of his influence as uh, some of the other folks on this on this list and uh you know as much as i love tuntus and and who doesn't love deep thoughts um deep thoughts was already a thing before he got to saturday night live so that wasn't his saturday night live contribution that's the thing he got hired got him hired to saturday night live and he started contributing that uh to saturday night live so i, I wouldn't really count it as his contribution to saturday night live as much as it is his his signature piece both really influential writers. It's a, it's a strong case that Brad makes. So it should be interesting to see if they make it. My next one selection is the one that I feel is going to get shot down. Very controversial one. Dick Ebersole. Oh. Uh, I mean, he was there from the beginning. He helped make the show a reality. When Lauren stepped away, he got a lot of flack. And people are like, oh, the Ebersole years. But really, he saved the show like he made hiring choices, you know, bringing on Eddie Murphy. You know, he, he kept the show going only, the, you know, like a lot of people blame. There's the, the, the terrible Robert Downey Jr. cast uh, era. A lot of people peg that on him and don't realize, no, that was Lauren's first year back. That was <laughs> his fault. You know, the fact that he had the Brat Pack as half the cast is not on him. It's not not on Dick. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if we've got Lauren in there, I think we should have Dick alongside him as one of the founding producers and creators of that show. Uh, Dick Deversell is definitely on my ballot. He's my number five on my ballot, just above Justin Timberlake, for all the reasons that you said. And I, you know, I started watching the show regularly during that era. That was when I came online with, with Saturday Night Live. And so, you know, Gary Croker, Mary Gross shows were like what I started watching every week. Um, and so when Lauren came back, I didn't understand who that guy was. Uh, that's not true. But I, uh, but I, 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 I like those shows. I love that. Um, Christopher guest, uh, Harry Shearer, Martin short year. I thought that was such a fun and, you know, he, Dick Ebersole, of course was in there for the beginning, but he, uh, reinvented the show in the eighties and kind of found a rhythm that we're still following to, to this day, you know, introducing a lot more taped pieces, promoting Eddie Murphy, bringing in that Julie Louis Dreyfus and the, that whole crew and from Chicago as a group from the, um, from the Second City in the eighties, and so I I love what he did to the show. I know he even tried to kill the show a couple times, which is fine, you know. 
You can, you can have some villains in the Hall of Fame for sure. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy Martin's in the Hall of Fame, right? In the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, um, I for sure Dick Ebersol belongs to be in the Hall of Fame for what his he contributed to the show uh, before his tenure and uh, during his tenure for sure. I have him on mine too. Yeah, definitely. Same for all the reasons yeah, you listed. Awesome, excellent. All right, Will. Uh, who do you have for us next? I will go with the Lonely Island. Why not? I might be on. I might be on an island with this one, but I'm going to go ahead and nominate them. The reason being, the reason why I wanted to to have them. Like I know they've been kind of on and climbing, and I think that the one of the main reasons you talk about kind of the way SNL obviously started as being a live show, the fact that they came in and were able to bring the show into the 21st century and be able to have. Um, pre-records that were more accepted in the format of the show and be able to, even though it's not live, I mean, being able to bring another way to, you know, help the variety format of the show be relevant nowadays, especially when you look at how the show is consumed now. A lot of people aren't necessarily watching it live. They're watching it the next day and they're kind of helping it be ahead to have those kind of made for streaming, made for the masses um, hits. They had a lot of Obviously, great um, sketches. They had a lot, or they, you know, a lot of uh, great, you know, pre-records, like over a hundred. And like I said, we've talked about some of them. I'm on a boat, taking a box, laser cats. There's been so many different iterations that they had that they're able to to own as a as a writing team too. I know Andy was kind of the face of it, but being able to you know prominently feature writers and into those sketches and be able to bring the host into it, and that's something that even now there's pre-records that are more part of the show every single week. That yes, there were some throughout time. They weren't the first people to do a pre-record, but like that being a staple of the show every single week and not being something that was kind of frowned upon and like, we'll do it every once in a while. Um, I feel like they deserve to have um, a spot in the hall of fame. And like I said, I guess kind of talking on both sides of my mouth, Brad, like they're getting close to that, that point where you need to figure out if they're going to get in or out. And, you know, there's a lot of stories to be told about the beginning of SNL, but I feel like when you look at how the show is now and bringing it into modern, like a more modern era now and the way things are consumed, I think that they deserve to be in for their contributions. I agree with you, Will. They're still not on my ballot. Um, but I'm pretty yeah. confident they would make the Hall of Fame without me voting them in. Like, the, I, I'm sure they will get in. To your point about them wanting to get in, yeah. this is sure. their third ballot. If they don't get in this time, I would vote for them for their fourth time. Because it, it, as much as I don't want them to get in right away, it would be a sin if it took them till their fifth and final ballot. So I'm not. they're not on mine. I'm sure they'll get in. And if not, they'll be in next time, I'm sure. Yeah, I think there's very few uh, people who changed the game. Not only did Lillian change the game, you know, Eddie Murphy changed the game. John Lovitz changed the game. Uh, Kristen Wiig changed the game. Uh, but very few writers changed the game on Saturday Night Live. And then Lonely Island definitely did that. And you got to give them props. I think um, step two, your dick in that box, might be one of the funniest things that's ever been written on Saturday Night Live. That's every Christmas. That makes my wife laugh out loud. <laughs> every Christmas without fail. And if you can make my wife laugh at a dick joke out loud, you've earned your spot in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> They're on my list as well. Yeah, for all of those reasons. I mean, the tree tapes have become like either really, really weird, like love is a dream. Such mm -hmm. a weird concept that from from that like 90s era or just like these kind of by the numbers commercial parodies it was like okay what drug parody or you know car parody or whatever like this it 
But they they brought it back like almost to the Albert Brooks level of just like leaning into the really silly, the comedic, and making these pre-tapes vital. Again, making them feel not like an afterthought, but an important part of the show. And also being possibly the best musical parody act, aside from Weird Al Yankovic, who needs to be on the show. I will say this. I will go to my grave fighting for him to be on the show. How has he not been on the show? But yeah, like they are, they're just an incredible, incredible bunch of writers, incredible talent. And uh, yeah, totally, totally agree. I will say not only do they change, change the game of Saturday Night Live, they change the game of comedy while on Saturday Night Live, which is very hard to do. Uh, Most people, if they're going to change the face of comedy, they do it after Saturday Night Live. Uh, They did it while they were on Saturday Night Live. So that's, that's very commendable. Dave, who do you have for us? Um, I'm going to go with my, the last person that's on my definite ballot and not on my bubble, and that is Paul Simon as a musical guest. I think um, from the get-go, he was uh, one of the people that really supported the show, brought credibility to the show, uh, kept coming back to the show. Um, he hosted, he's done sketches, but as far as a musical guest, he has had some iconic musical performances he's got um certainly here comes the sun with george harrison he's got uh still crazy after all these years in the chicken suit and he's got the boxer after 9 11 uh, i think for those three musical performances alone uh you'd have to consider him as if we're going if you got if you have to have one from each category i don't know how you don't pick paul simon on your ballot he is a friend of the show and it's just wonderfully fits into the vibe of what that show has been since the very beginning. Any other votes for, for Paul? I do not have him on my ballot, but I feel like Paul Simon is a very weird and interesting case because I agree. Like all three of those performances Dave mentioned are great, but he wasn't the musical guest for those. He was the host or, Mm. you know, the 2000, uh, you know, after nine 11, he was an unannounced guest. Paul Simon's first, you know, couple of appearances on the show was as a host. Now, granted, he sang a lot, but he was technically the host. And so, I putting him as a musical guest, I, I don't know. And I, I feel like there's a very weird, and this is kind of to the Dick Ebersol of it all, weird fourth realm that could exist in this Hall of Fame where you're not pigeonholed into a particular thing. And I think someone like Paul Simon really would take that because- yeah, I don't think he does it on his hosting status and gigs alone. I don't think he does it on his musical guest status alone or his cameos alone. But when you put them all together, like one yeah. of the best skits he's been a part of is when he's in line with Jan Hooks, I think it is at the movie theater. Yes. And he ne- yes. sees all the people walk by and he remembers them from like a concert and they bought an album. And then our call from walks by and he has no idea who he is. You know, so I, 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 <laughs> but again, it, 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 we, you know, so it's, I think if there was a weird fourth hodgepodge category hands down i would give it to him but as a musical guest i just yeah i i left him off yeah it feels like there needs to be like special achievement inductees (laughs) just just for something yeah because he he, you know every he's all these categories coming together like like you you both said so yeah that's that jamie something (laughs) to consider (laughs) like 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 that old white guy that's in the background of like a thousand sketches (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the white hair. You know that guy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Rad, what do you have for us? Uh, la, 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 la. I'll go with my 
now I'm kind of in my, I've gotten through my slam dunks in my bubble-ish mm. realm. Um, I have one host on my list and it's John Goodman. Um, mm. He's, again, he, multi-generations, I mean, what was it, 12, 13 years in a row he was hosting? I think there was one time he hosted with Tom Petty again and the running joke in the monologue that they thought it was the same episode from six years ago. You know, Root would, <laughs> as a host, would throw himself into the sketches, throw himself into the show, whatever was asked, whatever he needed to do. If he had to dress as Linda Tripp, you know, whether you like or dislike how he joined the world of the Blues Brothers, what have you, but it still says something to who he is and what he means to that show. Um <laughs> And I, you know, we talk about, as we said before, you know, the, the era that you grew up watching SNL, that era for me was a lot of times when John Goodman would host. So he's a third time nominee of all the hosts I have. I, I don't want to see John Goodman go and not get in. So I'm keeping him on my ballot as my host spot. Anybody else vote for John? Not on my ballot. Yeah, he, he's he, he, he's yeah. he's on there, too. Like, he's, I don't want him to fall off, but he's it's that bevy of talent. It's hard to choose. All right. Well, my next one is uh, going back to the early years. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. So as for hosting, uh, he was just such a fixture during that like 76 to 80 era. He was the first movie star to to host like big name movie star to come on. So it created you know, like Paul Simon helped create legitimacy. Elliot Gould helped create legitimacy for the show. And, you know, it's like, it's like Lily Tomlin was the same way where they almost felt like members of the cast just because of the intimacy during those early years and the recurrence and and, and the, 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 the relationships they seem to build with the cast. So, yeah. So Elliot Gould is on my list of, of hosts to be inducted. Uh, not on my list. No. As I much as I love his, 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 his movie roles and him as an actor. Didn't really stand out to me as a, as a major host. Not on my list as well. I agree with, you know, I think everything you mentioned about Elliot Gould take away the movie star aspect. And I think there's a better host candidate from that era that's on my bubble above him. Yeah, I, I also I also didn't have him on there. Not to pile on you, Matt, but <laughs> I also didn't have him, have him on there. But uh, I mean, definitely, like, to, like you said, great contributions to the early parts of the show. I just didn't have, I had him on my bubble, um, but I didn't have him on my, on my final ballot. Hey, after the surprising turnaround with the Dick Ebersol uh, choice, uh, I <laughs> totally fair. I will take this. Okay, Will, who who do you have for us? So I'll next one I have is someone that's actually returning, but um, next one I'll talk about a cast member is Molly Shannon. So for mm. me, I think Molly is um, another one of those um, cast members that was that's an all timer. I think you talk about the energy that she brought, the versatility she had on the show. Um, she was obviously with a stat cast as well has one of the most recognizable characters of all time with Mary Catherine Gallagher. Not, I know spinoffs don't meet in your movies outside of the show, where how successful they are or not don't count for anything, but obviously recognizable enough to get a shot at it. Uh, Sally O'Malley, something she and delicious dish on NPR. I mean, those are some really classic, um, classic moments and sketches and classic characters. And uh, like I said, I, she's coming up on that third ballot. I think she's just one of those, a great cast member. And so she made it on my ballot this time around. Got any other votes for her? Much like Maya Rudolph, I, I I think she'd get in. She's on my bubble, but I, I needed to be convinced to put her up above a few people. Well, I am with you on this one. <laughs> she is on my ballot. It is, and you know what really put her over the top was her recent hosting gig 
honestly, because it's like watching her perform. It's like she's still so vital. Like, I would love to have her on the cast now. <laughs> like it would just it's just she's so full of energy and like all of those characters that she brought back like Sally O'Malley you know it's just like they still work they 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 work now better than ever and that just speaks to the timelessness and and like the heart that she brings to the show um so so yeah so she's got my vote Dave who do you have for us oh boy uh I guess my next one I'll go back to my my season one episode, and that is Franken and Davis, who I spoke for uh, in season one. They uh, were the first uh, team to be hired, uh, predating Lonely Island or Good Neighbor or any of these uh, other uh, uh, writing teams hired, uh, Practical Theater Company. But um, they actually, between them, have about they each have tw- they each have twenty seasons on the show which is unreal. 19 of them were in the same season. They each had one season apart. But uh, the contributions that they made on that show to political discourse, to uh, political comedy, to satire, they were the first ones that Lauren just gave like five minutes to do whatever you want on the show this week. They had their own mini episode with Inside Life called well, the Frank and the Davis show. Um, some of them are unwatchable. But that also shows a lot of um, trust, how much trust Lauren had in them and their sensibilities. Um, well, Franken was a, such a fantastic senator. And, uh, but they also created so many iconic characters throughout the years. You know, uh, the Coneheads from Tom Davis and the Continental from Tom Davis and uh, Stuart Smalley uh, from uh, Al Franken and uh, just so many uh, things that people don't realize were them. And to also have that kind of influence over the writer's room over the course of the first 20, 20, 25 years of the show is um, unmistakable. So for that alone, I, especially on the third ballot, they should be, they should be in the hall of fame by now. I've got these guys, they're on my bubble and they're on the inside of my bubble. But what I try to figure out is separating Franken and Davis from Al Franken and Tom Davis. You know what I mean? Like, are you putting Franken and Davis in, because Al Franken created Stuart Smalley. Like, because Franken and Davis was a unit for a, you know, a brief period of time. Both of these guys contributed a lot years down the road. But what's the difference between Franken and Davis and two different writers combined together? So I look at it, and even doing that, I still look at it as Franken and Davis, the team of Franken and Davis. And I still have them on the bubble for all they've done in those early years and what they did. But that's why they're on my bubbles. I'm kind of kind of like you just mentioned with Molly Shannon, like I would not put her recent hosting job towards her getting into the hall as a cast member, but that's, that's just me. Well, Brad, who, who do you have for us for this next round? I mean, can I ask Dave though? Like, what do you think about that, Dave? Cause I know you, I remember your episode and it's, it was great. That's no, a really good. And notion. what do you think about that of, of, you know, people it's, it's kind of like the Paul Simon thing again of, of Franken and Davis as writers beyond being mm-hmm. the team of Franken and Davis. Well, uh, I would say uh, it's a really good notion as far as Paul Simon goes. I'd say that if he's doing a musical number, he is a musical guest, whether he's the announced musical guest or not. Uh, he is a musical guest in that sense. And I, I don't the, the the fact that they were in the writers' room together to me constitutes a Franken and Davis influence on the show. Whether they're getting a singular writing credit on a sketch or uh, on uh, a season, you know, individual writing credits. 
or um, uh, but they are in the room uh, for 19 seasons together in that room. And that seniority uh, that they must have had in the 80s uh, is unparalleled as far as, you know, connecting the original cast to um, the uh, uh, Phil Hartman era all the way through Tina Fey. And Tina Fey brings Tom Davis back for a season. You know, there's no, you can't discount what those two guys being in the room has meant to generations of writers um, and sketches. You know, uh, Sarah Silverman, all the way up to Sarah Silverman working with Al Franken. Uh, famously stabbing with a pencil, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean to be able to have worked with John Belushi and Sarah Silverman in Silent Live, uh, it, it certainly tells me a lot about your influence on the show and whether you should be in the Hall of Fame or not. That's a good point. Regardless of writing credits. Okay, Brad, how do you follow that up? Ah, uh, followed <laughs> up with Herb Sargent, original writer, co-creator of Weekend Update, head writer, seasons four and five. Left when Lauren left, came back and did another, what, 10 years after that writing up through the Norm MacDonald era. I mean, you can't not look at Saturday Night Live and not see his fingerprints all over it. And writing credits aside, you know, when that band of 20 and 30 year old knuckleheads showed up at NBC to try to do a TV show, Herb Sargent was like the elder statesman. You guys had a great episode on Herb Sargent. I, I thought it was one of the best you guys did of how vital he just was in that machine of getting it up and running, of helping Lauren, of having somebody to Lauren to lean on to really form that show, what would work, what wouldn't work. I mean, as you guys mentioned in your show, the Writers Guild has an award named after him, for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And I'm, I was so ecstatic to see that you guys even had him as a nominee that, I, yeah, I would, I'd totally yeah. put him in. Anybody else have him on their, their list or have any thoughts on, on her? Well, I had Herb actually on my on my bubble, but inside my bubble for the same reasons that Brad mentioned, because I think, you know, you, to your point, he was so influential in the early parts of the show. And then obviously the Master Ryan Hine Weekend Update. And how can you talk about SNL or the history of SNL without Weekend Update and what kind of a staple that was early on and what that's done for comedy and the way that it's been spun off into its own entities in different ways and, you know, often imitated. And obviously he was really influential. So He's someone that I think um, was also re-listening to some of that, um, his episode earlier today. And I think it's just being more educated on the the amount of his influence is probably the thing that's been keeping him out. But I think he definitely deserves to be in and he's probably going to get um, that nod um, just because of, like I said, those early contributions and how long he's on the show and um, just how influential of a writer he, he was. Same here. I mean, like he's, he's not on my list, but he's on my bubble as well. Um, where I'm just like, oh, like, like it's, it, it comes back to like those people who helped forge the show. And, and he is one of those people who really shaped it into what it became. Well, that brings me to me a third writer nomination. And I'm sure I'm going to get shut down again on, uh, on, on this one. Michael O'Donohue. He, is he a jerk? Yes. I will get that out of the way now. He was a jerk. He was a huge jerk. He was a very mean man at times, but he also helped define the voice of the show in its earliest years and pushed it to places that I don't think it even goes to anymore. And, you know, in those early days, there was some really cutting edge comedy. I mean, he hated the Muppets. That's one area where I will disagree with him on. But to be fair, they did not belong on that first season. I will agree with him there. I love the Muppets. They didn't fit Saturday Night Live. 
especially those weird alien Muppets. But he, you know, he brought the gonzo to the era. He made it like really a, like the comedy of that. Those first few seasons was really leaning into the zeitgeist in a way that it stopped after a while. And I mean, that's I don't know if it's his lampoon aspect or just just him. But yeah, I felt he he's an important voice and an important writer in the, and belongs in the Hall of Fame. Any any <laughs> takers? I have them on mine. Oh, you know, this is I've been wrestling with it today as I've been looking through it. You know, he's at the bottom of my just above bubble. And I have him on for all the reasons you've said. And I keep arguing with myself of how many reasons am I keeping him on because of, nostalg- <laughs> of nostalgic sake and like of what you said, not necessarily being worth. And the conversations we've actually had today actually are what kind of really kind of pushed me. I may I may pull him out more so than a Franken and Davis. Yeah, he had a a huge part in the voice of the show, but in looking against, and the start of the show, but in looking against the rest of the nominees, does that hold up enough to put him above, say, 14, 15 other people? I don't know. Or even if I only put 13 votes in, is he one of those 13? I don't know. I don't know. It's one yeah. of the ones I'm, I'm wrestling with. I, I did not put uh, Michael Donahue on my ballot. I have a hard time seeing... The humor in his comedy, it's, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> he is of I don't his think, moment. I don't, he is very of yes. his moment. <laughs> I don't think that his type of humor had a resonating effect on comedy as much as he would have, ho- would have hoped or that he gets credit for. I think it's, uh, uh, I, I don't see his brand of humor surviving past the 80s. It's a valid point. Yeah, totally true. Totally valid. Okay, well, we'll spin around the other way. Uh, Brad, who else do you have for us? I uh, I only have one left that hasn't been said that's uh, in my list here, and it's um, another writer. I'm trying to get a lot of writers in. I only put in one host and one musical guest. Robert Schmeigel is my last, my last nominee. Again, first ballot writer, longevity, the cast that he's worked with, the characters he came up with, the sketches that he wrote. Just, um, I think he's an invaluable asset to Saturday Night Live. I have a feeling... He probably won't get in the first couple ballots, but I want to get his name out there to give him a shot of staying, staying on. Yeah, he's on my bubble. I I love him. I love him. I love his sense of humor. I love uh, what he did with TV uh, Funhouse. Uh, I love the sketches that he wrote. I love the energy he brought to the Dana Carvey era, to the Sandler era. Um, I think some of his sketches are iconic, even if they're not even well known. They are iconic. Uh, like uh, the, uh, that uh, cluck and chicken ad. Uh, it's just, it's so funny. It's so funny. And it's so Smigel. And it is Smigel. It's just some of the things that he has come up with on the show and from the show and with people he met on the show. He's definitely at the very top of my bubble. And uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't make it to my ballot. Will, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, same same boat. Uh, he's on my bubble uh, for a lot of the reasons that we mentioned in terms of just his contributions to the show and obviously TV Funhouse and a lot of people mentioning his influence too as well that worked with him. Um, but he was right right there on the edge. Like I said, might might still get in. I think he will get in eventually. But um, there were just a couple writers that I had ahead of him. He is on my list. Uh, I mean, TV Funhouse, brilliant. Um, like like even like Bill Swirsky's super fans. You know, yes. it's just such such a 
a bonkers premise, but it works. And, and because he had the perfect people for those for for those roles. And he wrote to that. Uh, he's just, a, you know, uh, I think and I think a lot of his humor carries on into the modern SNL. Like he definitely does, did resonate through the years in a way that I will admit my previous selection did not. <laughs> if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch the Trekkie sketch with William Shatner. It still holds up mm. and it is yeah, phenomenal today. Yes. And he's yeah. great in it. He's great yes. in it. Yes. He's great. <laughs> he's great in super fans. He's great in you like it a juice. He's <laughs> great. You know, when he's when he pops up in scenes, when he pops up in scenes, he's 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 like, Yeah, that guy's a cast member, right? No, wait, no, he's not a cast member. Wait a minute, hold on. Uh so I mean he would have been right in, fit right in, and I just he's just his sensibility is is Saturday Live. I think his his whole persona is what makes the show fun? Well, Dave, who 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 do you have for us? Uh, I'm going to go back to my episode from season two, and that is Paula Pell. Paula Pell is on my ballot. She had a very long tenure in the writers' room. Um, she uh, came up with so many iconic characters that are uh, in her voice, and you don't even realize the amount of recurring characters. That she brought to the table. In fact, when you go to the Saturday Night Live store and you're buying any trinket of memorabilia from Saturday Night Live, the odds are that you're buying a Paula Pell character, especially if you're came up a uh, big fan of the 90s. Uh, she had a huge influence on the writer's room. She is still so, so, so funny. And I'm glad she's finally getting her due as a performer, which is what she was originally when she was uh, working at, uh, at Disney uh, mm-hmm. as a live performer, pre Saturday Live. Uh, that's where she cut her teeth improvising with regular people. Uh, that's, that's how she got to be funny because she could improvise with anybody. Uh, any tourist that came through had improvised with Paula Pell uh, as a character. So she has a singular voice that is, I feel like you know it, when you hear it, but it's also so, it's so specific yet. So the characters are generic, but the references are so specific and that what makes her writing so on point and timely and of the day is that when you hear a Paula Pell sketch, you can hear, you can just feel Paula's vibe all over it. And I think that's what makes her such a strong candidate as a writer. She was on mine. She was on mine for all of the reasons you listed. I mean, Spartan cheerleaders to be down or Gilly, you know, like such such bonkers recurring characters, but they 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 work. And uh, yeah, she was on my list as well. I did not have her on my list. She's on my bubble. Like I said, there were a few other writers that got in ahead of her, but definitely prolific in like her contributions to the show. Um, she just didn't make it on on my ballot this round. Same with me. She's she's on my bubble just below. Will, who do you have for us? So I will, I think we've all kind of talked through one of the musical guest selections. I will talk about the musical guest that I went with, which was uh, none other than Beyonce. So totally understand, you know, there's a lot of people as we've talked through this today, there's a lot of people, the contributions to the show and, you know, that have been on there for a long time. But, you know, obviously going back to today's point, I was doing the Beyonce episode on season three, getting a chance to re-look at all of her performances. She's obviously 
if you're talking about the top 10 most famous people, uh, especially from a musical guest standpoint that have been on the show, she's definitely there. I'm sure she's just a very hard get in general. So the fact that she's been on there with Destiny's Child, uh, also been on there as a solo artist, her performances are always great. She always does a great job of being able to bring a level of energy, uh, choreography to her performances. She obviously has a beautiful voice. And I would say if, if, if we're talking about the reason why I think that pushed it over the edge is her 2008 appearance where she performed Single Ladies, which was obviously a huge hit at the time. Um, she Her performance of If I Were a Boy uh, solo was amazing. If you wanted to see her, her vocal range, it was just an amazing performance. And then she also had some moments being in sketches. She was in a sketch with uh, Destiny's Child and there. Or with Desi Child early on the show doing the, uh, I think it was Gemini's Twin um, sketch uh, parody with uh, Maya uh, and the rest of the cast. And then she's also in the single ladies spoof with Justin Timberlake and Andy Samberg, which is also a really uh, popular sketch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you like said in, in terms of performers that have come through the show and the higher their fame, someone who is going to be appointment television for the show and obviously has many awards outside of it. Um, but it's someone that will make sure that the lines are wrapping around Studio H to get in. Beyonce is definitely one of the all-timers. And I, quite frankly, don't want to tell the Bayhide that she's not getting in. So she had to get <laughs> it in there for my last uh, the choices there from a musical guest standpoint. So I submit to Beyonce. Any other votes for Beyonce? Uh, no. Not vote for Beyonce. She's on my bubble as well. But I mean, she's, again, it's one of those like cases of... You know, people who've been through a couple of rounds already kind of thing. But I mean, she's definitely iconic and her performance. I love the sketch that she did when the single ladies video shoot with Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it is hilarious. Like, and the, the willing the willingness to take take the piss out of yourself kind of thing, like not be too serious, just always elevate. Her. So she, I will be voting for her. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I have no more selections left. So uh, how are all, all of you looking? You have any more do you guys have? I'm out. I have one more under consideration. One more. Will, how many more do you have there? I'm, I'm out. All right. Well, Dave, this, let's, let's wrap up our s- solid suggestions and, and votes with you. Okay. So I've got a four-person bubble right now. Only two of them are going to make it. I've got Smigel, Carvey, Dave Grohl in my bubble. And my fourth person in that bubble is Miley Cyrus. I think she is um, exactly what you would want in a musical guest. I think that every time she comes on the show, she brings a performance that is in line with the variety show spectacle uh, that Saturday Night Live demands. Um, and she keeps topping herself, which is really impressive. I mean, every time she comes, it is something special, a really cool cover. You know, her doing, um, when she were here on the, uh, at home shows was fantastic. Her doing, so this is Christmas, um, with, uh, Sean Lennon, uh, at that Christmas episode. And I can think of two, at least two more performances of hers that were just like showstoppers. And I think every time that she's on the show and, you know, she, her relationship with the show starts with uh, Vanessa Bayer playing her on the show. You know, so she starts as a recurring character and eventually comes on and lets Vanessa take the piss out of her, but also delivers as a musical guest 
an A-plus performance every single time she's on. And uh, if you tell me Miley Cyrus is hosting, I guarantee you that's going to be my favorite part of the show that, that, that week. And I'm not even a big Miley Cyrus songbook fan. I don't know many of her songs. But I do know that when she's on Silent Live, I am looking forward to that episode. And I go back and watch her performances, and they're always phenomenal. I will say that, uh, you know, she she's on. She's I will vote for her eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually, because I, I mean, I, she is another talent that is, you know, like you said, brings it all every time she's on. It's something interesting too, not just a performance. It is a it's a piece. Yeah. The Flaming Lips it was the duet that they did. So weird. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> she she takes big swings. And that's what I want out of a musical guest. Yeah, and she's a great artist. I, I didn't have her on my ballot, obviously, but she's I think she is definitely talented and someone that, you know, you look forward to having her be the musical guest. You know, you're in good, good hands when she's going to pop up. I know a few of us have uh, withheld votes. So if any, has anybody made a decision on those held back votes? Uh, I, I think I, I've made a call. My one vote, let me go to John Belushi. I, I think, you know, Brad, you made a strong case. He's a he's a keystone of the early years. Um, Dave, who are you going to cut? Because you have a few too many. Yeah, it's either Smigel, Carvey, Dave Grohl, or Miley Cyrus. I'm leaning towards Dave Grohl is getting cut. Probably Smigel because it's in his first ballot. But, uh, I mean, I yeah, Dana Carvey. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So did anybody sway you, Brad? You know, I, I, I had... My Rudolph on my bubble, wanting to kind of be pushed to, you know, get pushed to put her in. She might make it. I think Mike O'Donohue might get pulled out of my bubble after talking. So, you know, I may not even use all 15. And I had I had two people kind of at the top of my bubble weren't brought up. Buck Henry was somebody at like the top of my bubble, like not making list that I was kind of hoping somebody might might bring up. So, but yeah, that's kind of where I ended Anything change for you? Any any epiphanies? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I I think that when I was going through on the first pit, the first run, really go with my gut in terms of you know who do I feel just as outright, you know, should I want to get in right away? Um, but also with the you know with the with the chance to still have people get in, I think there's some people that were on my bubble that are more recent that kind of got bumped out. Um, as we were talking here today, too. And so I think with some of my remaining votes, Dick Ebersol, Herb Sargent, and Bill Murray were right there, you know, I think in terms of being able to get in, in terms of, uh, like I said, just contributions to the show and some people that I think it, it's hard to tell the, the story of the show without. And I think they deserve to get in a little sooner than some people that have had some recent successes. So I guess, Brad, the, the recency bias, I got to <laughs> put that aside. So I, I learned something today. So it's good. I'm glad I came to the roundtable. Awesome. I think I've come to a decision. I'm I'm going to vote for Miley Cyrus. I talked myself into it. I'm going to cut Dave. <laughs> All of a sudden, and so and so my last my last slot is either Smigel or Carvey. And uh, um, you know, at me, everybody. Let me know what you think. That's a, that's a hard choice. That is a hard choice. I do not envy that. But well, guys, thank you so much uh, today. Uh, what, where can people find you, Brad? Uh, you can find me on the uh, Not Ready for Primetime podcast. We're a relatively new podcast, diving into the first five years of SNL. Uh, we have new episodes every Tuesday. And uh, we're social media is uh, Not for PD Pod. Awesome. And Dave? 
Uh, you can find me at Dave Buckman at most social medias, or check out Cold Town Theater, C-O-L-D-T-O-W-N-E Theater in Austin, Texas. Uh, we also host Austin Sketchfest, June 22nd through the 25th this year uh, at Cold Town Theater in Austin, Texas, uh, with troops from New York, Chicago, and L.A., as well as Austin, Texas. And Will. Cool. You can find me popping up randomly on SNL podcasts. <laughs> I, uh, and uh, I would say also on socials at, at W Norman with a zero. But yeah, just that's that's all I got on my end. And I'm Matt Ardill, your trivia meister. And uh, you can also find me on the podcast Order Up, uh, talking about food with a variety of comedians and uh, Gelman from from uh regis and kathy lee oddly enough i don't know how we had that yet but we got that yet and i'm not going to complain about it but thanks everybody for joining us have a great day thanks for listening to the snl hall of fame podcast make sure to rate review share and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Do-ra. Podcasts and such.